Well, I'm curious about your podcast team. Tell me, Ruby, how you've expanded. The podcast? Yeah. Like, before, are you willing to talk about? Yeah. Because you haven't launched again. You're relaunching. No, relaunching. Yeah. yeah. Tell me your vision with that. Well, like I said, I was doing the podcast on my own with a really small team, two people, for five years, which is a long time in the podcasting world. What made you decide to start? And what did you start with? Like, the mic and... I started with a mic and my office. <laughs> Do you remember what kind of mic it was? Was it the Yeti? Yeah, which was like, the Blue Yeti. Yeah, but it—I literally had that for a month before I got rid of it and went to a Shure right away. Really? Yeah, I hated the Yeti. Yeah, yeah, I had Picks one up too in, much sound. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, um, but yeah, just expanding so that I can get better video quality because right now you know the audio is really great, but the video is just Zoom. So now I have a full video production team, which will be great. Awesome. Yeah. Have you set it up in your house? Yeah. Yeah. It's in my home and, um, yeah, got new cameras, got new, adjusted my office so that it could incorporate interviews and yeah, I'm super excited to relaunch it next year. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you, what do you think you've, some of the things you've learned or how have you grown through podcasting in the last five years? Well, so my entire brand was built with video. So I started on YouTube back in 2015. Cool. And I was putting out consistent videos. And for some reason, video actually is something that came really easy to me. And I love a challenge. And so I decided that I wanted a different way to get my voice out there, get my message out there. And podcasting felt like a new way to reach a new audience. Back then, there was like a podcast audience. And then there was like a YouTube audience. Now it's all kind of intermixing because a lot of podcasts do video and vice versa. Yeah, totally. So back then I just really wanted to hit up a different audience and it felt like a challenge to me to be able to talk into a mic because most of my episodes were solo and not have video for a bit. That's super, uh, that's tough. That's yeah. Doing solo. I've tried like one or two and it's, it's very challenging. I love solo episodes. Um, I'm a projector in human design with a defined throat, so I really like conveying my message. Is, I love interviews too. Yeah, can you get in a flow pretty easy? Like if you just yeah, I, I get in a flow, and then I usually the structure of my podcast is every other episode is a solo, and then my solos do really well. But I also don't feel like I need to fill up an hour of someone's time of just chatting their airway if I can just do a thirty-minute, super yeah. concise, super potent episode. Do you have a process of coming up? With your solos? Yeah, I come up with topics and then I kind of break down a few bullet points and I riff. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just freestyle it. Freestyle. Yeah. That's awesome. That's are you going? Way. Are you going to the jungle soon? I'm going back to the jungle again, November. Tell me about that. And, <laughs> and I imagine you've been preparing, yes? Yeah. I, I feel like this is actually part of my life. Um, I started with plant medicines in 2018. Yeah. And... That was, uh, you know, I had called to me for years before when I became sober in 2014. That's when I first started hearing Aya. And I'd never really heard about it before. But I didn't feel ready because I wasn't sure. I had just been up and down on a roller coaster for years with my addiction. Yeah. And the thought of plant medicines, I didn't know enough about it. The thought of psychedelics kind of freaked me out. 
What was real quick? What was yeah. the the feeling or the thought or the vision that you know people say that a lot, and I've experienced it too. But I think for people that have never experienced that or you know want more clarity on it, what is that feeling of like it's call? I felt mm -hmm. it calling to me. It just started showing up everywhere. Like articles would pop up in my social media feed. People would be having conversations about it around me. Um, someone would ask me about it. I'd see a book on it. Like it just started popping up in my life in multiple different ways. Um, and it wasn't until 2018 that I really decided to embark on that journey uh, because I was um, dealing with a lot of health issues and Western medicine wasn't really helping me. And I thought, okay, well, let me let me just try this. And so since the end of 2018, I've led a very, very devoted path to plant medicines and sacred amphibian medicine. And um, I went and did my first dieta in Peru in 2019, followed by uh, what's called like an urban dieta. And I did that. At home. What's an urban dieta? It's like when you couldn't go to the jungle because they shut down the jungle. Oh, got it. <laughs> COVID. Yeah. Dieta. Dieta. And then I went back to the jungle this year in May um, for another 14-day dieta. And then I'm going back in November for another 14-day dieta. But then in between all of that, I sit quite often. Um, do you, yeah. do you, I know there's always the diet and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, habits you need to have leading up to it. What are the ones that in your, you know, under your Mastero has you do um, leading up to it or you do practice? Yeah. Um, so in, it's funny because traditionally, if you go to the jungle and sit with a traditional maestro, they're not going to tell you anything, uh, nothing at all. But then once your diet opens and a diet, so there's a difference between a, a dieta and just an ayahuasca weekend. And I think in Western society, we've gotten it all mixed up. So now people are calling a one-night ay ayahuasca experience or like a two-night ayahuasca experience a diet, but it's not actually a diet. No, not at all. No. <laughs> I didn't understand that. So I recently did, uh, you know, a, more a dieta like traditional in Mexico under uh, a Mastero Sui from the Amazon. And, it, and I also did a weekend in Texas. And I was like, okay, I understand why you need to diet and do all these things to prepare because before it was great had a great experience but the level and depth that some of these guys from the amazon can take you mm -hmm. you have to be so clear you have to be so present and it takes a lot of presence and work to be able to go into it and i, I walked away from my experience being like oh shit i should have i didn't understand how serious i should have taken it and ever since coming back, I'm like, okay, the ceremony continues. Trying to, I, I don't think for me personally, I would ever go back until I feel like I'm actually practiced everything that needs to mm -hmm. be practiced outside to be able to go into it. Because it's mm -hmm. this, I don't know, you can tell me, but this synergistic effect, it's like it opens this portal, but if you can't maneuver through it or be present, it's very hard to get things out of it. Yeah, I, I like to break it down into initiation and then the actual ceremony and then you've got the integration. Yeah. And in our Western society, we just go into the ceremony, purge all our problems into a bucket, walk away and say we're healed. And that's not how it works. No. And, uh, you know, in fact, my experience with IN, I've sat well over 40 times and I've done four different diets. 
with different master plants and trees. Cool. To me, uh, the reason why I sit the way I sit is because to me, this is my path. This is what I'm devoted to. I'm devoted to this work. And my entire life is an integration of this work. Hmm. So when I step out of the jungle, that doesn't mean I'm stepping into this life again. I'm now stepping back into this life with the jungle with me mm-hmm. and and really weaving everything that I've learned into my life. And a lot of times that means making really tough decisions. You know, prior to my first Dieta in the Jungle in November 2019, I was a completely different person with a very different business. I was running three-day, 100-person events in LA. I had multiple coaching programs on the go every day, all, all the time. I had Uh, daily videos that I put up. I mean, I was doing a lot, plus my podcast. And super accomplished, super successful. I liked it all and it was draining me, but I loved it. Went to the jungle, started this complete deconstruction of my identity, of my ego, of, well, what is it that I actually really want? Like, why am I doing all these things that are stretching me so thin? Mm Mm-hmm. And I started making the tough decisions. You know, 2019 was the last year I did my three-day event. Letting that go was like letting go of a, a, a part of me that I had devoted so much effort and energy into for three years. And then started letting go of different programs and letting go of like the daily videos, letting go of, of having to show up all the fucking time and listening to what it is that I truly want like, what is meaningful to me? Mm-hmm. It's not the the notoriety to me. To me, it's about the depth, the intimacy, the inner work. After all, that's the work that I do with clients. And there I was trying to operate like everyone else in my industry and or many people in my industry, and it wasn't working. And so for me, a lot of the integration is making those really tough decisions of coming face to face with reality of, of what is it that I truly want? What does my spirit want? What is it that is genuinely aligned with my soul? And that has meant a lot of letting go, a lot of releasing to the point where like this year, I just feel completely stripped down and completely raw and super vulnerable. Like I'm at this new beginning and also very uncertain of where that's going and to be at a new beginning when you've started a really successful business at 20 in 2014 is is fucking scary but i'm following the call i'm i'm listening to the work that i've been doing in the jungle and in all these ceremonies and i'm really following what my inner guidance system is saying what inspired you to start your business in 2014? And then as you started doing these dietas, what were you uncovering? And were there pieces that are still true in there for the reasons you were doing your business? Or, yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Uh, 2014, I started coaching. Um, so I hit the bottom of all rock bottoms. I was hovering at rock bottom for almost my entire life. And then at 20. Describe that rock bottom. Yeah. Okay. Depression, anxiety, addiction on and off from different types of substances from pharmaceuticals to alcohol and drugs. Um, And in 2012, it was like everything just hit 
the bottom of the bottom. I was full on addict and completely not unaware of it. Mm -hmm. I was in a very, very abusive relationship and again, like completely denying it. And everything just came to the surface. Like I, there's no denying that this relationship is bad for me. I need to end it. And once I ended it, I remember, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing someone that I didn't recognize at all and wondering how I got there. And that was something that I would hear myself say often, like, why me? How did I get here? And in 2012, it was different. I heard myself say that. And then I heard myself say, well, you put yourself in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a punch to the face where like, holy shit. Yeah. Every decision, every choice that I've made in my life has led me to this rock bottom, has led me to feeling the way that I feel. And so it's up to me to start choosing differently. And when I was in that place in 2012, personal development wasn't in my life, but it came into my life. And it was really just an invitation from my cousin. She invited me to a Gabby Bernstein event. Cool. And so I went and that was when Gabby um, had released like her very first book. And so I went to that and I was like, what is this? Like what people are talking about these things that I've never heard before and it, it feels really good to be around these kind of people and that really opened the doors for me to enter this space called personal development and I had been doing therapy on and off for years and in the personal development world I started meeting coaches and I really liked how we worked from today to where you want to go so I went back to school and became a certified life coach NLP practitioner studying timeline therapy and I loved it. I loved it so much. And at that time I was running my own business, but in social media marketing. So I just started slowly transitioning into a coaching business at the end of 2014. And by the beginning of 2015, yeah, I was running my coaching business full time and I let go of my other business. Wow. How has it developed over the years mm. from first starting? It's gone through many evolutions. Um, so at the beginning, I really made a name for myself as a self-love coach. Back then, you know, I was number one ranked on Google search. Like I had grown this Facebook group organically to 5,000 people. That was my thing, self-love. But there was something missing. That was also when I started to see the gaps in the coaching industry, as well as this like online weird like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial personal development like this weird space it is where a weird space, it is a really it? weird space and i i felt like like is it just me am i super judgmental or are all these people yeah, like, am i just talking shit in my head or right or are they all just like fucking pretending and performing yeah. like what's going on here yeah and so it made me want to both retract from that space, but also infuse that space with something else. Mm -hmm. So I started, um, rather than looking at what everyone else is doing and, and, you know, back then you're supposed to do the Facebook group and do this and do this kind of program. I started looking at, well, what do I want to do and how do I want to show up? So slowly the self-love transitioned or evolved into transformational coaching where I worked with men and women and that lit me up. I didn't like just working with women. I love working with men and women. And I also love working with men and women together because I believe that 
in order for women to heal, in order for men to heal, like we actually need each other because a lot of our wounds are from the other. Mm -hmm. And so I started working with both men and women, started hosting more retreats, started doing more of the intimate in person. And I loved that. And then I started noticing what I was noticing earlier again, like, fuck, everyone's just like performing and pretending what is going, what is up with this space? And with my background in social media, I mean, I know how to manipulate algorithms. I know how to do all these things Mm. to get the likes, the followers, the engagement. And a lot of that doesn't always feel really good. And so that's when I started transitioning into or evolving into working with people who see themselves as leaders and really showing them a different way to lead. Because I feel like the term leadership got super skewed and muddy Mm -hmm. with the influencer space. Like those two things became one. And to me, they're not one. They're different. And so I really love now working with people who see themselves as leaders, but really want to pave the way for the betterment of humanity, who aren't really focused so much on the numbers, but focused on creating the depth and the impact and the intimacy that they want with the people that they serve. You can see how easy it can be, or you could get lost in that. Mm -hmm. As you grow, you can all of a sudden lose sight. I guess it's like anybody who starts a business, you can get sucked into the money game. How do you help people stay focused on their vision and show up in a way? Because numbers do still matter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you help them become successful, still grow, but have them turn their focus to something more true to themselves? By putting on the blinders. So here's the thing. With the rise of digital media, with the rise of social media and online programs and all the things, now everyone has a 10k in 10 days or 30k in 30 days whatever program like it just keeps the numbers keep going up before it used to be 10k in in 30 days and now it's like 30k in 30 days like what yeah how about massive fulfillment in 30 days like how about Mm -hmm. loving your business in 30 days but that doesn't sell let's be honest that doesn't sell if it was between like loving your business in 30 days and making 30k in 30 days most people are going to choose making 30k in 30 days yeah And we live in a 3D world that requires money. Money is important. We need it to, you know, to exchange for the things that we need to put a roof over our head, food in our bellies, everything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that the numbers aren't important. What I'm saying is that doesn't need to be the primary focus. And the only way to really start to get back in touch with the primary focus is to put the blinders on and stop looking at what everyone else is doing. So I don't have a cookie cutter strategy. I don't have a cookie cutter program. I don't have something that people follow to achieve X, Y, Z. My work is extremely organic and it's all about the inner work. It's all about helping leaders really meet themselves and understand themselves at the deepest levels possible and then building their business from there. Because most people will build a brand and build a business and build an image and then try and fit that brand, business, and image. Mm -hmm. doesn't work. You have to understand who you be at the core of your being and then build a business around that. And that's how we create fulfillment. And, you know, maybe I want to achieve 20K months and someone next to me wants to achieve 30K months and the other person wants to achieve 5K months. None of it is right or wrong. It's really about 
what are your true needs and what is it that you truly want? And I think all of that got messed up with the online space and, and the comparison, you know, with people saying, well, you have to be able to scale. If you were doing this last year, then you should be doing this this year. And it's like, who said? Like, are you happy? Is this working for you? Do you really need more? Yeah. Like, what I have is a perfect it? example where so, so I've been a trainer for 17 years or whatever. And so many buddies and friends would be like, you need to train people online. And I'm like, I really, I don't really feel like I want to do that. And signed up for one course, online course. I failed an online astrology class. So like sitting behind a computer and taking a course doesn't work. And I knew that and I know myself pretty well, but I'm like, oh, wait, whatever. I'm just going to listen to everybody. Take the course. Don't like it. Try to build it. And I'm just like, this is this is awful. I'm doing everything I don't want to be doing. I'm sitting behind my computer. I'm messaging people all day long, building programs and spreadsheets. And then I go, okay, maybe that program wasn't, wasn't it. So I, I got away from that. And then I took another course <laughs> to do the same thing. But I thought maybe this is a better way to do it because you just build one program and everyone does it. And then I went through that course, failed it technically, and just realized, Brent, you already knew that you don't like doing any of this stuff online. You know how you want to show up. You like being in person with people. And I think that's a that's a that's kind of what you're saying is, you know, you don't need to do what everybody else mm -hmm. is doing, right? And I think checking in with yourself often is super important. What did you learn in your first dieta? Like what did you like what were you, you were in the dieta and you're like, oh shit. My first full dieta. So I'd done multiple ceremonies prior to that. But my first time in the jungle, first of all, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, by the way. I didn't know I was going to be like my best, though. completely off grid yeah, with a moldy single mattress to sleep on and a bucket. Like, Do they make you bed. a diet? a plant a certain plant for that or is it just yeah so our the my teacher our maestro he's shipibo so it's a traditional shipibo lineage which is master plants and master trees yeah. and so you discuss <laughs> what it is that you're seeking and you can be prescribed cool. what it is yeah. or some people are are drawn to something so for me my first dieta was 14 days and it was actually i was prescribed two things i was prescribed bobinsana and noyarao so i dieted both tell me about those so Bobinsana is a heart opener, hmm. but it also she also works a lot on the physical body. She works on the women's wombs as well as like gut stuff. Um, is it a tree? Is it a it's bush? a bush that grows like by here? the water, okay. and it's kind of like Dr. Seuss flowers. They're red and they look like Dr. Seuss flowers. I don't know how else to describe it. Cool. They're cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, they're like these fuzzy red things. Okay. And then Noirao is the tree of light. So if you've ever seen um, Fern Gully or Avatar, the giant tree that's lit up, that's a real tree. Oh, wow. Um, and It's called the tree of light. Yeah, Noirao, tree of light. Right. Yeah, and it's the sap that glows. So that one is the illuminator. And it, you know, if imagine a spotlight while you're sitting in ceremony and the spotlight's going to go straight to all your shadow stuff. Like, boom, here's a shadow. Boom, here's a shadow. Boom, here's a shadow. Ooh. That's how Noyara works. <laughs> she illuminates all these things for you, which is great. It's a, great, it's a gift. For sure. Um, so I was prescribed both. And on that dieta, my biggest lesson that I walked away with that changed my life completely was the lesson of self-trust and the importance of it. And without self-trust, there's nothing. And I learned very quickly, if I didn't trust myself in the jungle, the jungle would eat me alive. Mm. 
um, being able to walk from the ceremony Maloka to my Tombo, for example, at four or five in the morning while I'm still maybe a little bit under the influence in pitch dark. Like it's so dark, you can only see what your headlamp is is showing. Um, I had to learn to trust myself to walk and be safe. I had to learn to trust myself in my Tombo that was filled with bats and all sorts of other things. I had to learn to trust myself working with the medicine in this way. Mm. And I also saw what was illuminated was how I really didn't trust myself in my life and in my business. Um, didn't trust myself in my life because I was never really raised to learn how to trust myself. We we learn how to trust those, uh, you know, in my culture, we learn how to trust people who are older than us. Mm. And then in our society, we learn how to trust the authorities, people in the with the badges and the labels and the certificates and whatever. Mm -hmm. But we don't really learn to trust ourselves. And so we displace a lot of our own power. And that was bleeding into my business. I wasn't really trusting myself in my business. I wasn't trusting myself in what I was building. And sure, I'd built a lot of really cool things that worked and were super successful. And I, yeah. and I did love a lot of these things. But it wasn't like I loved, for example, my three-day event. I didn't love that it took eight months of production eight months of my life to produce this three-day event. I didn't love that. I didn't love the pressure that came with like making sure I could sell the whole room because otherwise I'd be redlining. I didn't love that. What I loved was seeing people coming together and supporting the connections that can take place in that room because I love seeing people connecting in that way. Mm -hmm. I loved the intimacy that I could co-create with these people in the room no matter the size of the room we could create like this intimate environment and really be with each other in intimate vulnerable moments i loved that so i realized that's the piece that i love but i created a whole thing around it because i didn't trust myself to be able to create these things without the the show mm -hmm. let's just say so I started, when I came back, I started looking at all these different ways that I wasn't trusting myself and my business and my life. And it was shocking. Like, it was shocking. I felt like I'd been living my life completely from a place of just doing what I was told or, or following what I think thought I needed to do or should do. And that's when I first started saying no to a bunch of things and, mm. and like, really listening. Well, then what is it? What is it that I want and, and learning how to trust that voice, which is a real skill. It's like when people say trust your intuition, it's like, yeah, but my intuition's telling me to fucking wait and I need the money and this is happening and all these things. Like it's a skill mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And so after that first dieta, it was really about learning how to hone in on that skill of trusting myself in every decision and the way that I lead myself and the way that I lead my life, even just in my own presence of just being who I be. That's amazing. And then how is the dieta set up in the Shibibo tradition yeah. for 14 days? So um, a, a dieta, a diet is you're dieting everything. So you're dieting food, so the you can't have salt, you can't have spices, um, you can't have sugar, which means fruit as well. Um, so basically, you just eat a diet of plain boiled rice, lentils, quinoa, vegetables, 
and then sometimes plantains, um, cassava, things like that, but completely plain. And when you're dieting salt like that, like no salt in your body, you start to break down. And so physically you're breaking down. You're also meant to diet um, a lot of the external world. So not consuming too much information, you know, digital devices are off, um, not having too many conversations, especially conversations that are leading you out out of the jungle. Um, and then, you know, you diet sex, you diet um, any other type of interactions that will take you out of mm-hmm. the diet. And then you sit in ceremony every other night with ayahuasca. And then depending on how long your diet is, because you can do two weeks, some people do 30 days, some people do six months, three months, a year. So depending on the length of the actual diet, you'll also then drink a tea made with your master plant or your master tree. Hmm. And that'll be on the opposing nights, but you'll only do a certain number of that. So for example, if I go for 14 days, I'm just going to have my master plant or master tree three times and then it's in me and it becomes activated in the ceremonies with Aya. How did that show up in your ceremonies? Cause you did ceremonies before. What was the difference or the experience now having these plants in you? Yeah. The first diet with Bobinsana and Noirao. So I drank Bobinsana first and my last cup was Noirao. So I was feeling a lot of the Bobinsana first in a lot of the ceremonies and it was the most uh, some of the most painful <laughs> ceremonies I've ever had physically, like my physical body was going through a lot of detoxing yeah. and many other ceremonies, I was just flat on the mat in pain. And then once the Noya Rao came in, she was showing me why, like what was actually happening. And I started noticing that in those moments where my body's in pain, my gut is in pain, or my womb's in pain because the bulbinsan is working, I would actually resist it or want to rush through it. And I would catch myself rushing through it like, okay, 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 I see what you're doing. Okay, I just want to be done. Okay, can you be done? <laughs> Instead of really just being with it. And mm. so my last few ceremonies, when I had the Noya Rao, that was me learning how to like just breathe with it, breathe with the pain, breathe with the discomfort, which was huge. Um, and noticing then like how often I do this in my real life, like try and rush through something just to get to the end result, try and rush through the discomfort just to get to that place of comfort. Um, so that was really, <laughs> that was, that was a really intense diet. That was a really like, I, my guts were completely wrung out. It was the best, like, detox of my life but it was also um crazy i mean and this is i'm super open so i'm just gonna say this i also bled fibroids so i had fibroids and they came out in the jungle wow yeah which was crazy what what were so yeah so you had other health ailments Mm -hmm. and sicknesses before you went in no, so by the time well, by the time I got to the jungle, I had dealt with a lot of that. It was 2018 mm. when I started feeling called to plant medicine. So yeah. something called PMDD, which is okay. when um, basically our brain read like in women, our brain reads the dips in our hormones around our cycle mm. as like really 
bad things. And so what happens is you can fall into deep anxiety, deep depression, suicidal thoughts, um, suicidal ideation. And so for two weeks out of every month, I would be in that place. And it was progressively getting worse in my life until 2018 when I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know if uh, this is crazy. Like, it's too, too much. Yeah. It's too much. You get brain fog, memory loss. Two weeks, I could be talking to a client, forget their name. Wow. It was intense. Oh, man. And uh, Western medicine says, well, we don't have a cure for it. So you can either go on the pill for however long. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do these hormones. And I was like, I don't want to, this, none of this feels right. Like I took years to get off the pill. I don't want to go back to this method of taking care of myself, which to me is a band aid. Mm-hmm. So I sat with ayahuasca and it was on my second weekend with ayahuasca that I was offered combo. And so I decided, and combo is a frog medicine. So I sat with combo, not knowing anything about it. I was just like, yes, I will try this. And I was like, whoa, this is fucking different. <laughs> wow. Um, but I enjoyed it, the after effect. Mm. And then that night when we sat in ceremony after I'd sat with Combo, Aya told me Combo Reset, just those words, Combo Reset. So I asked my facilitator, I said, what is a Combo Reset? And he's like, oh, that's when you sit with Combo three days in a row. I said, that's what I need to do. I think that's what is going to help me with the PMDD. Mm. So a few months later, I sat in a three-day reset with Combo. Holy fuck. So intense. Combo is a very, very intense medicine. And after those three days, my PMDD disappeared completely. Like I literally felt my entire nervous system restructuring in, in each of those sits with Combo. And the anxiety, the suicidal ideation, all of it, all of it gone. And I felt amazing. And I remember at that time, this is 2019, thinking like, I, I need to facilitate combo. This this really feels like the medicine I want to serve. Um, but I still wanted to go through my own journey with a lot of the plant medicines before I started serving combo. So Aya led me to combo and combo is what really helped my PMDD. For me, Aya has helped me with trauma, Mm. both in this lifetime and in previous lifetimes. Like it's helped me a lot with my ancestral work as well as the traumas that we accumulate in our lives. Sometimes it feels like you can have these walls that don't let you get Mm. to the trauma to because you've put them there for a reason. Mm. They're protecting you. So they're there for a reason. But Aya has a way of lifting those walls up so you can really work with the traumas so that's how i've worked with the different medicines and what they've really done for me Aya has been a lot about the trauma and combo has been a lot about like the physical so people that would be interested in combo would be people with maybe more physical ailments physical or wanting optimization so the other thing about combo which is great Mm -hmm. is it gives you a sense of clarity like nothing else like you will leave a combo ceremony or session and within 24 hours the decisions that you weren't clear on will be super clear um so in the amazon warriors would use hunters would use combo they would use combo before going out to hunt Mm. because combo offers them the endurance as well as the clarity to hunt and find the animals that they want to hunt yeah 
Um, and so that's traditionally how it's been used. It can also decrease appetite and um, regulate your sugar. So hunters could go out for days on end. Yeah. Uh, so it does have that, which is really nice. But the, what now that I have a deeper understanding of combo, have you heard of peptide injections? That's mm-hmm. like a new thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So combo is the original peptide injection. Okay. Okay. So the combo secretion from the frog, a lot of people call it frog poison. That's a myth and there's a lot of myths online about combo. Yes, it excretes it when it's scared um, and it protects the frog because anything that tries to eat it, it'll shock their system. It's toxic, Okay. but it's not toxic. It's actually just a, a cocktail of bioactive peptides that work with the body. So they work to reactivate dormant cells. They work to reactivate um, all your cells so that your body returns to a state of homeostasis, which a lot of us, we're not operating in a state of homeostasis. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of us have a lot of dis-ease in our bodies um, due to just like the sluggishness in our bodies from either external, internal toxicity, emotional stuff, spiritual stuff, and all of that builds up and slows our bodies down. Combo works to like reset all those cells, which in turn resets the whole system. The other misconception with combo is it's like a detox thing. Hmm. And that's what I, yeah, that's what yeah. I was here, right? People right. Are like, it feels like I have the flu and, you know, I'm sweating and yeah, it's supposed to be a quote unquote detox. Right. So, so it's not. It's not, it's technically not. And, and here's why. So combo just help our bodies detox mm-hmm. all the time. They're yeah. always detoxing. But when our systems are running slower, they're sluggish, our liver is sluggish, whatever it is, then we're not going to be detoxing as quickly as we want to. Combo speeds up that process because, again, it's reactivating all these dormant cells. It's bringing your body back to a state of homeostasis. So all your systems are running as they're supposed to be running. Mm-hmm. The purge from combo is actually a reaction to the combo itself. So the chemoreceptor part of your brain is like, oh, hey, there's something funny being put into the body let's try and get it out Mm -hmm. so it sends the signals to the stomach to create nausea which people will then either purge north or south or not purge at all i've sat with combo a lot of times and not purged at all Mm -hmm. north or south but still had the incredible effects of combo Mm -hmm. because once the combo is on the skin that's when you get the peptides that's what the magic of combo is that's super interesting are there any contraindications or people that should be cautious that you we're know, going into a ceremony, combo ceremony? Yes. Um, Who should not? <clears throat> so anyone with like epilepsy or, or t- any sort of seizures, um, there's heart issues. Like if you've had heart issues, you don't want to sit with combo. Um, there's a lot of different things that we would have to kind of nitpick one by one. Um, to really discover what is then at the root cause of like some people will say, well, I have high blood pressure. Okay, high blood pressure is okay. Combo can actually help regulate that. But if you have a heart problem with that, then that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to sit with a practitioner that is trained. There's, you know, it's an unregulated space, just like any plant medicines. So someone who is trained and has the proper intake forms 
But um, I like to say the way that I work with combo is, yes, it's great for physical ailments, but I like to work with leaders who really want to optimize their mind, body, spirit, because that's what it really helps you do is like optimize the body, optimize the mind, optimize the spirit. Things like ayahuasca or psilocybin being psychedelics, they work on the energetic spiritual self Mm -hmm. and then that hits the emotional and then that can hit the physical, right? But combo will hit the physical which then releases some of the emotional, which then can get into the spiritual. You know that old saying, we have issues in our tissues. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I I like to describe for combo because combo can help move things that you've been holding in your body. It's so amazing how, you know, the Shipibo people have this whole incredible toolbox of, you know, medicine to heal people that seems almost incredibly advanced Mm -hmm. you know it's like you could see just i don't know people in your own life or just around you how if you applied some of these things to somebody how much you could change their entire life Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know being able to up and how many people are in physical pain and go to the doctor and try to get things diagnosed and they you know you hear it all the time they can't figure out what's wrong when it's probably so emotional or mental Mm -hmm. but then you have a simple tool like Cambo, where you can actually make a powerful change in that person's life mm-hmm. and then do trauma work. Imagine if everybody did all of that. Mm-hmm. We'd be in a very interesting world. Yeah, we would be. What was your business? How did it change when you got back from your ceremony and how did your life shift? Well, after the first dieta, um, I trimmed it down completely, like got rid of everything except for one new group program and my one-on-one coaching. That was it. I didn't do anything else. There was nothing else. Cut the fat. Cut it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that to really see, to uncover what it was that I really wanted. And that's when I discovered it was the intimacy and the depth. That's all that matters to me. And then after my dieta this year, which was a completely different tree, um, the tree was called Ayuma. And it's a very psychic tree, helps with psychic protection, psychic gifts. Mm. That really helped me get back in touch with a lot of my gifts, but also utilizing the power of discernment mm. more often, trusting that my judgments aren't judgments and they're just really what I see and I should just listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm not so judgmental. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm just psychic. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But that was that was what this diet really showed me. So I guess more on self-trust, but in a different way, in really seeing all the ways in which I wasn't using my power of discernment or all the ways where I wasn't trusting how I would feel about certain people, mm-hmm. um, how I was still people-pleasing, how I was still um, doing things that were out of alignment. And... I, I strongly believe that every diet you do, it's not a different, it's n- never going to be a completely different experience, even if it's different trees or, or plants. I feel like it all works together mm. and it's just a, an unpacking disentanglement process. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's part of the whole. Yes. So people that don't do plant medicine, what are some tools or ways you work with people to help them start to uncover these things in their life? They're leaders. They're wanting to connect deeper to like, what is really alignment for me? Mm -hmm. How do you help? 
um, through powerful coaching. So <laughs> coaching has like, if we talk about coaching, I am a classically trained coach, meaning I'm a classically trained life coach, certified life coach, trained to coach, not to advise, not to tell people what to do. And somehow coaching became this thing of telling people what to do. Coaching also became this thing of telling people what to do based on your own personal life experiences, which is then you projecting your shit and your expectations onto your client. Mm -hmm. And they might be like super rah-rah about it because they look up to you and they put you on a pedestal and they've said somehow. He knows I want, the way. Right. He knows the way. I want their life. Look at this. But that's not at all what they want. And so my. It's also kind of an easy way out. Yeah. But right? it doesn't. It's not out though. You'll no, get yeah. there and you'll be like, mm, but now I've done something that somebody else wanted. Right. Yeah. So I, I coach, I just ask a lot of really powerful questions and I allow my clients to lead. Um, but for me, I like to call it like a stripping down or an excavation process cool. where I create spaces for leaders to really come undone because I believe it's in that messy undone space that we gain the, the, we gain the power to see what we did not see prior to that moment because we're so completely wound up and in control with our facades and our performances. We need to have safe spaces where we can just fall apart, come undone mm. and be like, okay, shit, who am I? And that's the work that I do. And often what comes with that is then going to be like, oh shit, now I have to redo my whole business. It's like, well, no, it's just an evolution. Let's just now start to take what works, what doesn't leave, what doesn't work and build it from this solid foundation, which is you. I love that. Yeah. Do you have any of those just powerhouse questions you like to drop on people? You know, those excavating questions? Uh, or do you have one or some I type mean, of question you like to kind of throw at people to get them to really dig within themselves? A lot of times it'll start with, and some people don't like why questions. I love why questions. You know, if someone says, well, I, th I, I why think Why do you think people don't why, why? Why do you think they don't like Because it questions? can be super triggering, right? It's yeah. like, well, why, why, why do you think that? Like you're judging them almost. Right. Yeah. It feels, but I don't, you know, people pay me to be just super direct. That's who I am. I yeah. can't be anything else. So I'm going to ask the why questions, okay? So if someone says something, well, I'm doing it because... This is how I've done it. Be like, well, why? Why have you always done it that way? Be like, this is how I was always. Like, that's where people start to get a little triggered and defensive. Yeah. However, beyond that defensiveness lies some answers. And usually it's going to take like 10 whys. Well, then why this? And then why that? And then why this? To get to the underlying, well, shit. I'm doing all of this because of that trauma? Yeah. You know? And so to me, that's one of my favorite questions. And I ask it in a lot of different ways, depending on the circumstance. And I don't care if it triggers you. It should. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you're doing because I think in the entrepreneurial space and creating a business, it's, I think it's essential to have a coach or somebody like you to be able to guide them. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I agree. You, you need, you're like, <laughs> duh, bro. But, but it, I, I, I never really thought about it until I was listening to your book. I was like, oh, wow, this is something I've never actually, I've, I've seen and, you know, felt, but I haven't, you know, met a coach or someone actually working on those things, but also been focused on growing a business or mm -hmm. entrepreneurial and helping you connect with that too. Um, 
That's super awesome. So what brings you back to the jungle? Why are we going back? So this year I experienced, I feel, so human beings, as long as we are living, we're always susceptible to new traumas. So this year I experienced the loss of, or having my, my dog, who was like my child, taken from us and we're still in that battle. I'm sorry. And thank you. And it's been rough and I really just need some space to be. Um, so I took a step back from my business. I put one of my group programs on hold, which is a quarter of my income for the year. Um, but I did so because I wanted to lead my spaces responsibly. Uh, so I just, I'm going back to do some work for myself on myself, which will then support everything else I'm doing in my life. And that is how I choose to operate in life always. You know, if I need the space to heal, I've been through enough to learn that this is the only way. We can't just keep operating from trauma. We have to focus on our trauma before we become like these leaders who are projecting their trauma into all their relationships, into their homes, into their clients, into their work. Yeah. You got to keep, keep clearing yourself mm -hmm. or else you're going to build on top of a foundation that's eventually going to crumble. Yep. Tell me about all the different things you're offering. I should have booked us two hours. <laughs> this went by super fast. But tell me about your coaching program, how people can connect with you and follow you. Yeah. So I have a coaching program called Potent Leaders, and it's intimate, only 12 leaders. The next intake will be starting in February. So there's a wait list for that on the website. And the book's hella good. It's yeah. really well written. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's, I love it. Thank you. I wrote it myself, not a ghostwriter. Just no, thought I'd mention it. it. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's a great starting point. And then I also have a six-month program for one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching and mentorship, and that's called Journey. The info for that is on the website, rubyframon.com. Um, and then the podcast, Potent Truth, will be coming back early next year, mid-January is when the podcast will be relaunched. But if you want to binge on some episodes, there's over 200 episodes for you to binge on right now. So you can go on Spotify Play, uh, iTunes, wherever you want to go. And yeah, the book, Potent Leadership. And um, follow me on social. I am Ruby. Sweet. Well, Ruby, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah.